Okay, I'm going to dive straight in this morning. Romans 5, verse 17. Are you ready? Okay, says, For if by the trespass of the one man, talking about Adam, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, that's us, and of the gift of righteousness, that's us, reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. If I was to have a show of hands and to ask this morning who feels that they're reigning in life and who feels that life is raining down on them, I wonder how we'd shape up. But again, as we've talked about in the last few weeks, there's a new expectation here for the people that are in Christ Jesus. And that is that now we've received that abundant provision of grace. Now we've received that gift of righteousness, that our relationship with God has been restored. We're in right standing with him by faith in Jesus Christ. It says, how much more will we reign in life? Reign in life. The word reign uh, literally means to exercise kingly power exercise the highest influence and to control. The, the old Jamie Phillips translation says, through Jesus Christ, men by their acceptance of his more than sufficient grace and righteousness should live all their lives like kings. In other words, in your world, in your world you are intended to rule, to have dominion, and to have authority. In the last few weeks, we've called it overcoming the world. We've called it being more than conquerors. And the big idea is, given all that we now have in Christ, that new identity, Christ in us, the hope of glory, now we have this better covenant founded with better promises. Now we have this Holy Spirit empowerment the expectation is that we should reign in life. This, folks, is good news. Smile, nudge the person next to you, say, this is good news. This is what Christ has saved us for. And what I want to do this morning is to press into what it really means to reign in life. But before I do that, just one, one quick thought. Do you know, folks, I believe this is how we change the world. If one by one we start to reign in life, to overcome, to build kingdom, to rise up, to step up, then we can create an environment around us where God can really move. Because extraordinarily, he's chosen to use you and me. Today's topic, really, today's big question is, who has the place of authority in your life. Who has the place of authority in your life? Because someone or something does. The question is, is it you? Have you stepped into that or have you relinquished it? Have you allowed a usurper to seep into, sneak into, slip into the vacuum? The title of the message today is, it's time to take authority. 
It's time to take authority over your life. It's time to take authority over your world. It's time to take authority over your home. The whole authority and dominion thing is a major biblical theme. It starts in the beginning with Adam and Eve. And they're delegated dominion and authority in the garden. Genesis 1.28 says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Amen. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. In other words, they were given a mandate to rule. Essentially, Adam was king and Eve was queen. Under the ultimate headship and authority of God, but with strong delegated authority and dominion, nevertheless. See, we understand that God has created the earth for us to enjoy, yes, for us to steward, yes, and actually for us to rule. Using terminology that we might understand, it's as though God has given man a lease over the earth. And in essence, we are ruling tenants. We have rights and responsibilities. We have considerable power to influence. Unfortunately, as we know how that story unfolds, sin got in, and sin has thrown a very considerable spanner in the works. One of the major themes of the narrative of Genesis 1, 2, and 3 is, is how man surrendered that dominion, that authority, to the enemy. I'd love to spend ages looking at this whole thing, but for the sake of time today, just a couple of snapshots, really. When they sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, they rebelled. They turned their back on God, they turned their back on his word, and they submitted themselves to a new Lord. And his name was Satan. They inadvertently handed that dominion that God had given them to rule and reign in the garden, the rights and the authority, they handed it over to one who was nothing more than a thief and a liar and a murderer. No wonder in the next 4,000 years, things deteriorated fast. Contamination flooded in, hence the flood. It's a big theme at the moment, the movie coming out, The Flood. And there were 4,000 years of, of what I can only describe as struggle, really, leading to the next snapshot, which is God's intervention. And God sends a redeemer. He sends a saviour, his own son, whose name is Jesus. And very early on in Jesus' story, we see that the Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness to be tempted. And Satan tempts him three times in three different ways. Here's one of them. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 says, Then the devil took him up and revealed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Quite the statement. And if you, you remember Jesus response here, Jesus doesn't contest Satan's statement. He doesn't dispute the summary, which is that the kingdoms and the authorities of this world says Satan are mine to give. And what in essence he's saying to, to Jesus is, I know your assignment, and I'll give it all to you here and now. The authority, those kingdoms, 
But you've got to cut a corner and you've got to place yourself under submission to me. What did Jesus say? The next verse, verse 8, he said, The scriptures say you must worship the Lord, your God, and serve only him. You see, Jesus' plan was so much better than that. And we go through to the next snapshot, two and a half, three years later, Jesus dying on the cross. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus extinguished the debt. He fulfilled righteousness. He broke the power of the curse. He conquered sin and death on the cross and as he rose from the grave. In Colossians 2, verse 13, he says, You were dead, talking about us. You were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In a single act of dramatic victory, Jesus completely changed the course of history. He turned everything upside down. The message said he stripped all the spiritual tyrants in the universe of their sham authority at the cross. Whatever authority Adam had relinquished to the serpent, Jesus reclaimed on that first Easter. And then we have a succession of strong statements where Jesus took that authority and gave it back to man. Just as God in the garden had given that authority to Adam and Eve and said, go and rule and reign, have dominion. So Jesus handed it back to, to, to his church. Matthew 28, verse 18 says, I have been given, Jesus speaking, his great commission, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. He said, I have been given. It's mine. It's back in my hands. And it's interesting, he uses the word, word all. And I've said this before, but if Jesus has all authority, how much authority does the enemy have? What's the, what's the, the flip of all? None. None. No authority. And Jesus is saying, now I am recommissioning you to go out in that authority. And this verse here, Matthew 28, verse 90, is, is essentially a reissuing, a restatement of Genesis 1, 28. The original commission, the handing over of dominion to Adam and Eve. In the same way, God gave delegated spiritual authority to Adam. Jesus gave it to the church. As we read through Jesus' writings, his sayings, as we read through Paul's writings in the rest of the New Testament, there are repeated statements that say, in my name, as my ambassadors, in my power, in my strength, and my place, go. Because you have authority. It's now in your hands. Luke 10, verse 19. Look, I have given you authority over all the powers. There's that word all again. Over all the powers of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Crush them. Nothing will injure you. Mark 15, 16. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Power of attorney to use his name. Delegated authority to stand in the room as if Jesus himself was standing there. And it says, the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. Yeah. 
you're going as my ambassador with my invested authority. Matthew 16, 18. We've seen this verse in the last few weeks. Upon this rock I will build my church and all, again, all the word all, all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And it says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. In biblical writings, there are two strong symbols of authority. The first one is keys, and the second one is rings. And it says here, in, in this prophecy that Jesus makes in Matthew 16, it says, I will give you the keys. Once I've died on the cross, once I've risen from the grave, once that authority has been given back to me, I will hand you out the keys. I will give you the power, as the old versions say, to bind and to loose. One symbol is keys. The second one is rings. Preached on this before, the prodigal son. The prodigal son who runs off with his financial inheritance, comes back broken, beaten up, squandered the whole thing, a life of sin, falling apart. His father runs to him, forgives him, receives him, and then gives him his true inheritance. He places on his shoulders the robe of righteousness. He places on his feet the sandals representing peace and freedom. Only the servants wore bare feet slaves. Only free men wore sandals. And he placed the ring on his finger. That was his true inheritance. And that ring represented his authority. The father was passing authority to the son. We, we know the, the historical situation. There was a signet ring that, is, that the king has or the pope has or the lord has. And if they want to sign something into law, they place the, the, the symbol of the ring into the wax and they probably take off their finger to do this, it would hurt. And they then seal the envelope closed. There's the wax sign that says, I wrote this. This has got my authority on it because I am the king and I am the Lord. What is said in here goes because I give you authority. Amen. You see that situation in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 41, when Pharaoh takes his signet ring and gives it to Joseph as he gives him authority over the whole land as they prepare for the seven years of, of um, feast and the seven years of famine. And the reality is, we have been given the keys. And we have been given the ring. We have authority, we have authority delegated to us. Amen. Jesus saying, you receive my sovereign power and you use it for our purposes. That's good news. So, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us back where we started, in effect. We have that delegated spiritual authority. We've been given dominion. We've been given the mandate to rule in our homes, just like Adam and Eve. Romans 5, 17. How much more will those who receive God's abundant, abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Our destiny is reigning in our own homes, reigning over our children, reigning over our lives. Yeah. And of course, cannot be, but be reminded today is Mothering Sunday. And I thought, you know, today, as we celebrate mothers and their role as nurturers and carers and providers in the home, how fitting, I thought, that we press in to what is happening in the home. You know, there's much written by Jesus, 
much written by Paul. There's much written in the Old Testament law about authority and submission in the home. And we know that, that God has delegated authority in the home to parents, to father and mother, in mutual love and submission. The father with that ultimate privilege as spiritual oversight. And through the Bible, we are taught as parents to take up that mantle in our home. And so today's challenge to us all is, who has taken authority in your house? And the answer, of course, is hopefully you. You see, the danger is, if you don't, something else or someone else will. You know, the enemy knows that his days are numbers. He knows the authority that you have. He can read the book just as well as you can. He knows that any legal hold he may have had over you has been broken by the shed blood of Christ. He knows that. But that doesn't mean that he gives up. He will do anything he can to undermine your authority, to counteract, to contradict, to, to get you to misuse, to abuse that position, to get you to back down out of it. Because something will fill that vacuum. And he really wants to. And of course, as we know, the devil doesn't play fair. He cheats, he lies, he manipulates, he accuses, he uses fear, insecurity, inferiority, he uses doubt, he uses strife in the home, he'll even use children. He is looking to attack your character, your identity, your faith, your confidence, your peace all in an attempt to wrestle away authority so that you are rendered weak and ineffective. So that's the fight that we're in here. And the question is, who is taking the position of authority in your home? Who is taking the position of authority in your life? I'm going to break this down to three questions. We'll spend five minutes on each, and then we'll close. The first question is this, are you letting it happen or are you making it happen? Question number two is, what sin, what attitude, what unbelief have you let in? Remember, there's no such thing as a perfect vacuum. Something's going to get sucked in. If you relinquish that place, something is going to get in to break that down. And the third one, talking really about how we use our authority, is what future are your prayers prophesying? I want you to consider this in the context of a family home. But I realize that not, not all of you are necessarily in that position. The principles, these principles apply equally to your own individual life. Okay, so you can look at it either way. The principles are true. So number one, are you letting it happen or are you making it happen? Anyone seen the dog whisperer? If you've met my dogs, you probably say I haven't watched enough of the dog whisperer if we're honest. But in, in, if you watch Dog Whisperer, it's all about who's alpha dog, isn't it? In, a house, in our house, there's competition. I think it would be fair to say that I am alpha for the most part. After that, there's a bit of a scrabble going on between Ridley and, and Catherine. And then I think the kids, and then I think Chloe's the other dog. Ridley and Chloe the dogs, in case any disputes in that. So there is this kind of pecking order thing going on, and there's a contest for it. 
But in your home, if the question is, who is Alpha? The answer is, it should be you. Because Jesus has delegated you that authority in your home and in your life. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 says, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live. In other words, in, in other words I've given you this choice. I've given you this opportunity to step into this. What are you going to choose for you and your children? Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Are you going to choose blessing or are you going to choose cursing? I have given you, he's saying, I've given you authority over your thought life. I've given you the, the freedom to make your decisions. I've given you authority over your own emotions, over your own habits, over your own responses. Who has authority over those things? I do. You do. Those are things that I can control. And it's easy in life to blame the devil for all of your problems. And he is part of the problem. But the point is, you are the one in authority. You are the one with authority. So in your home, are you letting it happen? Or are you making it happen? Who's making the major decisions? And on what basis? What role does God's word have in the way you live? In the way you steward your time and your money? the way you balance your priorities? Who is setting the spiritual climate in your home? Is it you? Is it your television? Is it the world's culture? Or is it you? Today's message is it's time to take authority in your home. Don't let it happen around you. You know what I mean by that. Don't let it happen around you and then complain that you're a victim. In Christ, you're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror. You're called to reign in life. You, your destiny is to overcome the world. Don't complain that you're a victim. You're not. You have the keys to your house. Jesus placed the ring on your finger. And if he has placed the keys to your house in your hands, that means you get to choose what you let in and what you don't. The message is don't let the enemy in. Seize that authority. Refuse him any foothold. Don't let him take any ground. Bolt that door as tight and close to him as you possibly can. Which leads to question number two. What sin have you let in? What attitude have you let in? What unbelief have you let in to your home? Pressing pause for a second, just think about that. What have, what have you allowed into your life? What have you started to tolerate? What have you compromised? You know, maybe there's a crack in that open door and something has sneaked in. It's seeped in. It's crept up behind you and now in your life, in your home, it's taken a measure of control. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's a critical spirit. No one sets out determined that they're going to be a gossip or they're going to have a critical spirit. It kind of sneaks up on you. 
And you leave a door open and little by little it grows until it's arrived in your life and it's a big deal. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's compromise. Maybe there's an imbalance in your life. Again, no one sets out to be imbalanced. No one sets out to have their priorities, I think. Priorities are wonky. But little by little, if we allow the enemy in, you see, he's a thief. He's a liar. He's got no authority, so he's got to muscle. He's got to wiggle. He's got to seduce. He's got to trick his way in. And if we're not careful, we allow all sorts of things in. I, I, I preached a message about three years ago, I think, called There's a Snake in My House. And I, I really enjoyed it. I think it went down well at the time. But I had a really strange dream. I'm not much of a dreamer, um, although I had a very strange dream about a giant crocodile last night. But it was in a swamp. It wasn't in my house. But don't worry about that. So in this dream... Um, it was our family home, and our phone, our phone, Catherine and I, we've got the kids, we've got the two dogs curled up, and just wrapped around three or four different places with these enormous giant pythons. You know, pythons can be 20 feet long and big and thick, and they were just lying around, and you kind of look initially and think, well, that's really weird. Why would you have pythons in your house? Don't you know? They kill people. I mean, they eat whole crocodiles, if you watch YouTube. Anyway, in this... <laughs> In this particular dream, um, a, a friend of ours from our, this was when I was in Canada, a friend of ours from our church in Canada came to stay. I was lovely to see them. You're welcome. Come and make yourself at home. Feel free to use the facilities. Next thing I know, this person has had, is, ha, is trying to have a shower and is running out the house with a towel and dressing gown wrapped around going, there's an enormous python in the bath. There's an enormous python in the bath. And, and, and kind of in the dream, there's this dawn, this reality, this is not normal. What we have allowed to tolerate in our home, these enormous child-eating snakes, anyone else coming from the outside would say, this is nuts, you just don't do that. You get rid of them at the first possible opportunity. I don't know if anyone follows BBC News like I do, but they found this giant rat last week, in, I think it was in Sweden, and it was 20 inches long and the tail, and it, was like in, and it had taken over the kitchen. The cat was afraid to go in there. The kids know they had to get this giant rat trap in to take... Why would you allow that to take roost in your kitchen? The moral of the story is you don't let 20-foot pythons sleep with your kids. You get out, whatever you do. And in this particular dream, eventually I came to my sources, my, my senses, and I'm trying to get these snakes out, and I'm talking them out. And I, I remember a scene where they're now curled up on my front lawn, and they're, they're, they're reasoning with me. Saying, but we're not actually in the house now, we're just on the lawn. No, we're not going to cause, I promise I won't eat your golden retrievers. And they're lying there and we're in this dialogue. And they're trying, they're still trying to talk me out of it. And, and, and it was as though God said to me, no, you've got authority, tell them to go. You know what the Bible says, get these things as far away from you as you possibly can. And so as I rose, reached my sense in my dream and I'm telling these things, get out of my garden, all of a sudden they're scraping off and we're okay. And that made me think as I pondered the dream, you know, what have I allowed into my house? What sneaked in? Obviously, I, I didn't go and buy those pythons. I didn't think that would be good. I'll have them. I'll start small. They sneaked in. And so think of it like this. If an outsider, as happened in my dream, if an outsider was to come into your house or to take inventory of your life or to look at your heart, 
what would they look at and say, immediately say, you've got to get rid of that. Get rid of it right now. And if they would look from the outside and say that, what's to stop you from doing it right now? What is it? Do we, do we become comfortable with these things? Do they sneak in so insidiously and gradually that we haven't even woken up to notice that they're there? Do, do we not know that we can deal with these things? Have we lost sight of the fact that we've got the authority to, to have this reigning in life? James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. This verse tells us that we need to resist the devil and we need to submit to God, not the other way around. Why? Well, because we've got the keys, the devil must flee. You know, if, if, if you're in any confrontation, we just show the devil the ring. Just flash the keys out and say, I've been given that authority over my home. I've been given that authority over my life. Resist the devil, submit to God, and he will flee. Devil will flee. The danger is we actually find ourselves passively submitting to the devil. How do we do that? Well, by accommodating lies, by tolerating compromise, by harboring bad attitudes. And no one sets out to have bad attitudes, they sneak in. Or by giving in to temptation, starts off little and then grows. So the danger is we're either passively submitting to the enemy or we're actually resisting God by refusing to believe his word, by refusing to respond to his truth, by refusing to walk in light. That's what we're going to talk about next week. But the good news is that in submitting to God, we have full authority to resist the devil. And he then has no choice but to comply. And if you will submit to God in every area of your life, the enemy will have no entry, no rights, no power, and no authority in your life. The question then becomes, what sin, what attitude, what unbelief have you let in? What is the python curled up on your footrest? It's time to take authority. Third one is, what future are your prayers prophesying? If we've been given this authority over our lives, over our homes, how do we exercise? How do we wield this authority? It's a good question. And one powerful way that we can take up this mantle of authority, if you like, is, is through prayer. You know, we have the privilege of setting the spiritual climate in our homes and in our lives. Deuteronomy 30, 19. We get to choose. We get to set that climate. We get to sow the seed. We get to prepare the way. And the way we do that is by using the power of prayer to boldly release God's word over our homes day after day after day. You know, speaking God's word is incredibly powerful. In the New Testament, the, the, the word of God is described as being like a two-edged sword. You know, we know verses like Hebrews 4 verse 12, which says the word of God is alive and active. It's quick and powerful. We know Jeremiah 1 verse 12, which says that God is watching over his words to perform. Once you've spoken, once you've prayed out, 
God's word over your life. God is watching over that word personally. He's invested in it. It's his word. It's his reputation. It's his truth. It's his power. He is personally watching over that word. That's why in Isaiah 55, verse 10, 10, 11, it says, So is my word, the Lord says, that goes out of my mouth. It will never return to be void. It will always accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. Why? Because I'm watching over it. It's my word. God is a man of his word. Once you've prayed those prayers, it's in God's hand. It's his responsibility. So in essence, the prayers that you pray over your home are prophesying the future. Because as you pray out God's word, he's watching over that word to make sure that it comes to pass. So, how do we take authority over our homes? How do we grab a hold of it? How do we wield it? The answer is, we pray over it. And we make a big deal of this in our house. We pray um, every morning, gathered round, before the kids go off to school. And I pray, and there's quite a lot of repetition in those prayers. That's deliberate, because I'm trying to teach my children how to do it. And I pray, and then Catherine prays graciously for me, and then my kids may pray too. But we pray scripture over us, because we, we, want, we want God's word to be prophesying our future. Just a couple of examples, and then I'll wrap up here. Every day we pray as Isaiah 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. It says, every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. We pray that over our family, over our home, every single day. Here's another one you can pray. I pray, paraphrase of this. Deuteronomy 28, which is the blessings of the covenant. You know, bearing in mind we are under a new covenant with better promises. So these promises are, I don't know, 75%. The real deals are 100%, I don't know. Deuteronomy 28, verse 6 says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. I pray that over our family. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Next verse, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand and he will bless you in the land which you, the Lord your God is giving you. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, we, we, we've been given delegated authority to pray these prayers out, and these prayers are prophesying our future. There are lots of other verses that I pray, and I dip in now. This week, I don't know why, this week I've been praying Psalm 23, verse 6. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I don't know why this week I've been praying that one over my family. And do you know what? Yesterday, Saturday morning, we were sitting around and my Ollie was just singing that. Just making up the tune as he goes along. It's starting to seep into his spirit. You know, you have authority delegated by Jesus in your own home to set the tone, to establish the climate, to release his promises, to lead your families. And so we do it. We've got to do it. So the question then becomes, what prayers are you praying over your home? What prayers are you praying over your life? What prayers are you praying over your business? Okay, I'll wrap it up. I spoke really, really fast today because we were a short time. There is a tussle going on for authority in your life and in your home. And your degree of victory 
whether you are an overcomer, whether you overcome the world or whether the world ends up overcoming you, whether you are over the circumstances or under the circumstances, you've got to have been here the last few weeks. Your degree of victory will depend upon the degree to which you have stepped in or backed off from that God-given authority. So I'll leave you with these thoughts as we take them to the Lord this morning and respond. Number one, are you letting it happen or are you making it happen? It's time to take authority. It's time to raise, to rise up. It's time to take it back. Who is Alpha Dog in your home? Because you get to make the decisions. You get to choose the values. You do. You get to set the spiritual climate. Don't let it happen around you. Don't let Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, don't let whatever program, don't let the soap operas, reality TV, set the spiritual climate in your home. Grab a hold of that authority. Don't let it happen. Don't let it seep and make it happen God's way. Are you letting it happen or are you making it happen? Number two, what sin, what attitude, what unbelief have you let in? And I just encourage you today, I know that's a big question, just to take inventory. Just to ask the Holy Spirit who is the convictor, just to reveal. He's gentle. He probably won't pour it all on you at once. Just one thing. One thing that you've allowed. And I tell you, in that Python dream for us, it was we had started to allow our kids to watch DVDs called Transformers. You might have seen they've made modern movies. And these movies were just, were just the, 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 the kids' programs were so full of bad attitude and aggression and it was violent. All the kids were watching it. You know, and there was Pokemon and Bakugan, all these other things going around. You know, my, our kids have started to get into them. And I remember saying, no. I asked God, what have I allowed into my home? What's the Python? And he said, it's this. And we cut it off right there. It cost me 30-odd pounds because I had to buy a Wii game in compensation for not buying my kid this Transformers video for five pounds they wanted. But it was money well spent. And we closed the door on that. You know what? We've not watched it. It's not been allowed in our house since. It's four years later. Take inventory. See what you've allowed to sneak in. And then go home and throw it out. And the last one. What future are your prayers prophesying? A man or woman of authority prays big biblical prayers Amen. over their home, over their kids, over their workplace. I'd encourage you to sow those seeds every single day. And if you will do so, you can have the godly home that you've always dreamed of. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We worship you. We're so grateful for all that you've done. We're well aware of the fact that there is a struggle going on. There is a struggle on the cosmic scale. Most days there's a struggle going on inside of my own head. There are struggles in my home. There are struggles in my workplace. I recognize that. I know that it's not cut and dry. I know, cut and dry. I know that the sin still has a stranglehold on this world. But I know that you're coming back one day. I know you will take your throne. I know that ultimately you are going to completely reclaim that dominion for your own. In the meantime, Lord, I pray over everyone in this room, Lord, that you would teach us how to stand on your word that you would show us how to live the life that you've called us to live, in which we reign in life. 
Did you show us how to stand on your word, to, to speak out, release your promises, to make the right decision, to bolt the door closed? Show us how it is, Lord, that we can be completely submitted to you and completely resistant to the enemy. My dream, Lord, is for a church full of overcomers. It's for a church full of people who've realized that we have been given a mandate to rule and reign. It's time to take that authority over our own individual lives, first of all, over our homes, over our kids, over our workplaces, any area in which we have influence, any area in which we've been delegated authority. Help us to use that authority, Lord, for your glory. Help us not to shrink back. Help us to bolt the door closed so all these other things don't sneak in to fill the vacuum. But Lord, we want to stand up for Jesus. We want to stand up for truth. We want to do it your way. We want your light to completely overwhelm the darkness. And I'm convinced, Lord, that if we would do that, if we, your family here, would individually, collectively do that, and we can see transformation in this community, in this area. We can see lives change. We can see the kingdom come. Empowering glory like we pray over and over. So Lord, my prayer is that this isn't just a nice message that we all get, particularly Jamie, get a little excited about. But Lord, these are principles that we can grab a hold of. That as we spend a bit of time today just reflecting, Holy Spirit, that you would show us what it is that we need to do, where it is that we need to step up what doors we need to close, what we need to throw out, exactly what it is we need to do to take the authority that you've given us over our lives and over our homes. Lord, we thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.